What can we expect from the cybersecurity landscape in 2017? Hi, I'm Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking about 2017 cybersecurity predictions today with Tom Kellerman. He's the CEO of Strategic Cyber Ventures. Tom, thanks so much for joining me today. Pleasure to be here. So the big news in the U.S. over the past month or so has been the 2016 presidential election. If you take a step back, how would you say that that election has altered the cybersecurity landscape? Well, most importantly, the election highlighted the vulnerabilities of cyber that exist within American cyberspace. And if anything, it serves as an awakening to not only the American public, but also to the adversaries of the United States that America is vulnerable to cyber attack and that it's fairly easy to acquire capability sets to leverage cyber attack. I'm very concerned that as a result of the election, uh, disillusioned American voters might turn to hacktivism and cyber activities for the purposes of not only managing their voice, but also for the purposes of undermining the incoming regime. I'm also very concerned that more and more nation states are recognizing that American public opinion can be swayed through the use of disinformation campaigns and cyber attack and may engage in these types of activities against neighboring nation states or against the U.S. in the future. Well, Tom, you anticipated my next question because I want to ask you, how has the president-elect himself influenced potential threat actors, both at home and abroad, and I'm assuming you're talking about more than the so-called 400-pound man at home. Yeah, there is a true misnomer that it's a lonely individual who's overweight, who lives in his mother's basement, who is the number one hacker of the world. Um, hacking and hacking services have been truly professionalized. Uh, the dark web of the world are run by a myriad of hacker crews and ephemeral guilds of thieves who operate not only for the purposes of, of accruing wealth, but also for the purposes of acting like cyber militias for their nation states. Uh, you're going to see more and more nationalism in cyberspace. Uh, I'm very concerned with the rhetoric of President-elect Trump towards China and the inevitable escalation of cyberspace, the attacks from the PLA and from a nationalistic hawkish Chinese against U.S. infrastructure in 2017. In addition, the anti-Muslim rhetoric could create more and more recruits for groups like the Cyber Caliphate and the Al-Qaeda, the Arabian Peninsula, for individuals who don't have the stomach to wage physical or kinetic war on the battlefield, but who have technical skill and may choose to act out against the xenophobia being espoused. And then lastly, given that uh, Europe recently leveraged uh, another six-month extension of the sanctions against Russia for the incursions into Crimea. I think more and more attacks will be leveraged against uh, NATO allies uh, by Russia, by the cyber militias of Russia. And I feel as the investigation into the cyber attacks on the elections results are disclosed and they will be quite damning for Russia, that you could see an inevitable escalation of nationalistic hackers from Russian-speaking countries against the U.S. in 2017 as well. Well, again, you anticipate my next question. Tom, we talk an awful lot about nation-states, cybercriminals, organized cybercriminals, and hacktivists. Who are the attackers that you fear the most in 2017? Nationalistic Russian and Chinese hackers are the most capable. 
especially those who are not beholden to the regime but are acting with patriotic fervor, who are willing to leverage destructive attacks, uh, attacks that would delete or destroy data, much like the attacks we saw against Sony and seeing those replicated uh, throughout critical infrastructures like finance or transportation or the energy sector itself. But more and often than not, you're starting to see rogue nations like Iran, like North Korea, acquiring dramatic cyber capabilities that would impart to them the capacity to asymmetrically attack U.S. critical infrastructures. I do think that this will be the year that we'll see a very sophisticated North Korean attack against the U.S. and her allies, probably one leveraging something like a Mariah or an IoT-based botnet to leverage destructive denial of service attacks against e-commerce entities in the U.S. Tom, talk about that a little bit. What are the types of attacks that most concern you? We talked about the attackers. What about their actual capacities? What is most concerning to me right now is that much of U.S. critical infrastructure has been colonized by one nation-state or an adversary with backdoors and remote access terminals that would allow for them to re-enter these systems and conduct destructive attacks like the manipulation of time or the manipulation of, of the integrity of data on critical systems that have a kinetic impact on society. What I'm quite terrified about right now is the, the fact that we are flying blind, the fact that we do not understand when they already have footprints on our systems because it's very difficult for most organizations to discern lateral movement and to discern multiple command and controls, especially command and controls that may be on a sleep cycle or may have used steganography, the embedding of command and control code within, method, within images on these systems. I do think that geopolitical tensions will serve as a harbinger for destructive cyber attacks and really it's a question of what our priorities will be nationally to protect ourselves from these attacks. Uh, U.S. corporations will be on the front lines of, of this cyber insurgency and they must recognize that cybersecurity investment is an inelastic functionality of conducting business in 2017. So for organizations, for security leaders that have wrestled this year with ransomware, they've wrestled with devastating DDoS attacks, how do you see the threat landscape being significantly different in 2017 than what we've experienced in 2016 or the recent past? Well, I think you're going to see those, those types of attacks you just mentioned blend, as we've already begun to see. So denial of service attacks, especially distributed denial of service attacks, are oftentimes used as smoke screens for long-term in, intrusions into systems. Uh, I'm going to set your front yard on fire while I climb in the, the kitchen window. But what's most concerning to me is the reality that more and more hackers are leveraging destructive attacks as a counter-incident response mechanism. For example, you've turned off my command and control, and now I've decided to delete and destroy serious and sensitive systems because I know you're beginning to hunt me. Much like if you are a homeowner and you hear a burglar in your house, what we've been doing for years is assuming that there's one burglar, that one thing would be burglarized, and that if you stand at the, stop, the top of your stairs and you cry out, uh, I know you're here, I've called the cops, get out, uh, your assumption is the burglar will leave versus setting your house ablaze. And that is what's most concerning to me. It will be the blended attacks, the attacks that are leveraging footprints within your information supply chain that after intellectual property has been harvested, uh, destructive countermeasures that are focused on disrupting incident response uh, and forensics will be leveraged against those systems. That is my, mo my greatest concern in the coming year. 
And, and the reality that if we even look at just ransomware and the ubiquity of ransomware capabilities and ransomware as a service, who's to say I could just not encrypt all your data and never ask you for, for ransom? I can never extort you for the money. I just merely want to slow your capacity to operate or disrupt critical or sensitive systems. Uh, these are highly problematic issues that must be solved through a joint collaboration between the public and private sector. But much more needs to be done. And simplistically, more and more, we need a, an active defense of American industries and infrastructure by the U.S. government. No, not big brother-like tactics to surveil America. But the U.S. Cyber Command should take the gloves off and begin to actively defend U.S. critical infrastructures and government agencies from the onslaught and the siege of cyber attacks that we are seeing now. Tom, you're in a position where you get to see lots of different organizations in the public and private sectors. Where do you see the biggest gaps in their perimeter defenses? Well, I would say it's just that. There, there is an inability to migrate layered security to cloud infrastructures that are public. There's always an assumption that mobile technologies and, and mobile phones are not as susceptible to attack, which is a mythology. You have uh, the reality here that once the adversary bypasses the perimeter defenses that they can run amok within your infrastructure, which is why still to this day, according to the Verizon data breach report, it takes five months for most organizations to realize that they have dealt with a compromise. Five months of an adversary roaming freely through your house, through your network, through your supply chain. Um, to that point, it's imperative that they decrease dwell time. They must decrease dwell time to within a day. And to achieve that, they need to increase situational awareness internally to lateral movement and to behavioral anomalies within their infrastructure. And they need to begin to invest in technologies that will allow them to understand uh, metaphorically, again, when someone is moving through their home, when furniture has been moved, when a door has been left open, etc., etc. But they have to do it in such a way that the adversary is not aware that they're being surveilled. And they have to make correlations from inside out from the, the information garnered from the lateral movement detection or behavioral anomalies to how that corresponds to activity in the outside world. Uh, and this has to be a function of their brand protection as a whole. So I think that technologies like uh, deception grids, uh, deceptive security technologies, or user entity behavior analytics are fundamental in suppressing an adversary, in suppressing an intruder, and an intrusion for that matter, from manifesting throughout your supply chain. It really it sounds like what you're saying is that the federal government has to step up and take a much more aggressive, active role defensively. Oh, we do. Uh, we've been taking it on the chin from the Chinese, Iranians, and Russians for the past 10 years. Uh, we've never really actively responded or defended U.S. critical infrastructure from attack beyond triaging events and investigating why an inf infrastructure was hit and how it was hit. Uh, we need to begin to proactively defend American corporations and government agencies from the cyber siege that is ongoing. And I think there's a number of discussions that are going on through the spectrum that is active defense. Uh, George Washington University produced a great research report describing what active defense could and should look like. But in essence, we need to take off the gloves and proportionately respond through technology to technological events that manifest and attempt to colonize U.S. cyberspace. We're seeing a great deal of political rhetoric about cybersecurity right now. Do you have fears about the proverbial cyber Pearl Harbor that people have talked about for years? 
I do when it comes to specific nation-state actors like Iran and North Korea who have the resolve to leverage such an attack against a significant critical infrastructure to damage and create a kinetic manifestation that could result in the loss of life. That being said, the most sophisticated and organized adversaries that we face, uh, who are the Russians and the Chinese, are far more about colonization. And in fact, if you look at the state of play of cybersecurity and civility in American cyberspace currently, we are dealing with a, more of a cyber insurgency. It looks far more like Fallujah in Iraq than it does look like Pearl Harbor in Hawaii. Now, Tom, you served on the commission to help President Obama inform his cybersecurity knowledge defense uh, strategy. Do you see similar consultation happening now with President-elect Trump? When I served on the CSIS Commission on Cybersecurity for the 44th President that was stood up by Congress for the incoming 44th President, we provided a, a number of recommendations and only about 60% of those were actually followed. I do not feel that the incoming administration, the President-elect, has thoughtfully engaged in development of a true, holistic, and cohesive strategy to defend the United States of America and to undermine and destroy the cyber insurgency that is currently affecting most Americans. I am very, very concerned that we are getting to a point of no return, and from a threat landscape perspective, vis-a-vis -vis what asymmetric capabilities are now becoming more and more widely available to irrational actors, I'm very concerned that we could reach a cataclysmic tipping point of cyber activity within U.S. infrastructure in the coming year. Now, Tom, the organization you're aligned with now, Strategic Cyber Ventures, seeks out technology organizations that you're encouraged by to invest in, to grow. What are some of the emerging technologies that encourage you now in this active cybersecurity defense? I'm very impressed with the capabilities that attempt to mimic the counterintelligence activities and tradecraft that were learned during World War II and the Cold War. The use of decoy systems and deceptive technologies and deception technologies uh, like TrapEx um, are fascinating and when deployed appropriately can eliminate all false positives and can allow you to uh, discern an adversary's activity even if they're using zero days and even if they're using unknown malware in an immediate action. That being said, user entity behavior analytics as applied to not only insider threat but as applied to the next generation of the SIM and from inside out threat intelligence and situational awareness like E8 security are fascinating to me and truly represent the application of artificial intelligence to defense in depth. Uh, I think there are huge opportunities in next generation authentication and contextual based authentication and verification in that you could essentially toggle up or toggle down the authentication and verification of a user specific to the level of threat being experienced by a network or the level of corruption hardening being seen in said network. Uh, I think that there is a true opportunity for both the hacker community and the defenders to begin to recognize the gap and the attack vector that is mobile and to begin to insulate mobile devices beyond MDMs from cyber attack. And then lastly, I think 
So we need to pay attention to the constructs of not only app security but browser security and being able to limit exposed applications or exposed devices from an adversarial footprint that would endow them the capacity to exfiltrate data. In that, imagine if you could toggle up the functionality of a device specific to its location or, con on, or context to diminish some of its features from being able to relay sensitive information out during that sensitive session. And then I believe there's a real opportunity to create platforms that would allow you to begin to block and tackle internally against threats you've seen in the outside world. And whether it's the next generation IPS system that's integrated with a breach detection system, or whether that is the next generation DLP is unbeknownst to me. But there, I think there are opportunities for investment, and there's not only opportunities for growth, but opportunities for action to civilize American cyberspace. Tom, we talked a lot about the evolving threat landscape. What are some of your specific recommendations to organizations, private and public, to respond better in 2017? Well, first and foremost, you need, I think we need to change the architectural paradigm uh, in that we need to invert it. Right now, we're trying to create castles in cyberspace based on standards that have been ineffective to defeating the elite targeted attack of today's adversary. We need to really replicate a model of intrusion suppression, one which is more similar to the architecture of a supermax prison like the ADX facility in the state of Colorado. In addition, we need to improve and empower CISOs. Uh, CISOs should no longer be reporting to CIOs. They should be reporting to the board, if not the CEO, and they should have a separate budget. At least 20% of your IT budget should be allocated to cybersecurity and a percentage of your marketing budget from your CMO allocated to cybersecurity for the purposes of brand protection. And then last but not least, I think a greater investment, philosophy investment needs to be partaken by major corporations to understand that this is all about increasing trust and confidence of your consumer and your business partners to the security of you and your information supply chain. And reputational risk and reputational risk management will be dependent upon that investment strategy. And in, in doing so, one needs to really respect the fact that they need to invest in decreasing dwell time through the investment in user behavior analytics capabilities, deception grip technologies, and next generation authentication as a start. And then finally, they should always have on retainer a significant incident response uh, forensics team, uh, whether it be some of the brand names or others, to assist you in the immediacy of an event so that within an hour or two, uh, you have a team on the ground uh, beginning to triage and forensically identify what has happened to you in today's world. Tom, as always, I appreciate your time and your insight. Thank you so much. Thank you, and, and we appreciate your time. We've been talking about 2017 cybersecurity predictions. I've been speaking with Tom Kellerman, CEO of Strategic Cyber Ventures. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.